0: Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. In this timely episode of the Shred Coach Podcast, Tom sits down with Fletcher Wimbush, an expert in talent acquisition and frontline hiring. Dive into the mind of a man who, from a young age, has dedicated his life to understanding and perfecting the art of bringing the right people together to form an unstoppable team. And make sure to check out the show notes for the valuable giveaways that Fletcher has provided us. Fletcher Wimbush, welcome to the Shred Coach Podcast. I'm glad
1: you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. So who is Fletcher Wimbush and what exactly do you do in the world? Well, my lifelong past passion is teleacquisition. It's really focused around the idea that if you can get the right people on the team, right people on the bus, that great things are going to happen with inside your organization. I've been thinking about this since literally I was probably seven years old probably when I was about 16, I started started getting some of my first leadership roles as like captain of the football team. And then somehow they elected me student body president. And I mean, I just like went headfirst into this concept. I'm 41 now, literally spent every waking thinking moment of my life, thinking about how do you build great team?
0: (laughs) Interesting. I mean, that's fascinating, but I did some digging into like a couple of things I found about you. And it seems like like it's part of the family tradition too. There's something built into the whole family structure yeah. about this.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, like many people and, you know, some people just have an aversion to whatever their parents did, right? They're like, I don't want to ever be part of that. Right? I kind of went the other way. My father was a business coach, management consultant. He created these really amazing assessment tools. And I felt first kind of really fell in love with those and the concept And I was his first guinea pig, like, you know, made me take these things like seven years old. Really? <laughs> you know, every year of my life, a you know, new version of the assessment. So I had a lot of influence there, but I never really, like. I'm a high D and high I. I don't have the patience for being a coach. I mean, maybe I could be one, but I've like, I never wanted to be a business coach or a coach of any kind. I thought, well, you know, what I gravitated to was that idea, right? I get the right people on the team, just good things are gonna happen. And so I really laser focused in on that. And so, yeah, it comes in the family, man. And I took a slightly different angle, but I have an affinity to coaches and and just anybody trying to build a team. Right, so because you're not a known
0: commodity in this industry, which, you know, often talks to commercial shredding companies, destruction companies, data protection, data storage, Record storage. Can you give some kind of indication of something that would give you street cred with companies that predominantly hire entry level labor, truck, shred truck operators for physically demanding roles, admin support? And then I'm going to get into what your business is, but give me some street cred first.
1: Yeah, sure. So early in my career, I think I was about 26 years old. I was on. Third ever job, and I've only had four jobs my entire life now. Uh, I got a job working for a company called AutoClore. They're a commercial dish machine company. So they run an identical business model to the shredding business or the document management storage business. In fact, I headhunt talent from that industry because for AutoClore, and AutoClore wanted to be one of my largest clients. But I cut my teeth there. So I'm 26-year-old, they hire me to be a branch manager, GM, for their Orange County branch, which in Orange County, California, is a very lucrative, high-net-worth market. This business unit had been losing money for probably 20 years, not because of the market, right, but because of just poor management. And they bring me in as this young guy full of energy. And I don't know if I really knew anything, but you know, I had some, I had some experience that was worth something we turned the staff over twice so in that operation we manufactured soap by the way is a dangerous hazardous material you do not want cleaning chemicals on your body and your eye you know it could hurt you badly and it could kill you if you really do it wrong so we made soap. we manufactured dish machines and we had route sales and service technicians which are just like the guys around in your shredding trucks who are servicing the customer building the relationship and i pray that they're also upselling to your customers other services that they could be doing, renewing them and upselling their contracts. So it's a pretty dynamic role when you put somebody into that truck and you send them out to your customer. They're not hopefully just picking up stuff. You know, they're doing a lot of revenue generation and revenue retention related activities. That's what our guys were doing. And then we had outside sales guys knocking on doors, hey you want to you know, ditch your competitor for us and, and compel your reasons to leave and then we had all the, the other kind of support staff office staff and warehouse staff doing lots of other variety of different roles so very similar deal we turned the staff over twice within the first year of me being there it was a nightmare i remember being in a wow. baja fish tacos all night, replacing the dish machine. And I'm not the handiest, guys. I mean, I, I learned a little <laughs> bit, but I'm like ripping this thing out. And this is a busy restaurant. These places, you've never been to a ball and fish yeah. tacos you live in Southern California. This place rocks. Yeah. And so I understand the pain of being the frontline manager and, and having to step in when your team is not cutting it. We went on to be really, with all leveling metrics, out of 100 business units doing really the identical thing in the top one to three business unit, the team that we hired, head of those people are now in executive level leadership. One of them is third in command of that entire company. Wow! Um, so I went into that job, not because I love being a professional dishwasher, but because i wanted a chance to prove my theory that if you bring, put the right people on the team, good things are going to happen. Because I'm actually a really bad manager, if you ask anybody who ever worked for me. I <laughs> Just hire people that are smarter and better than me or right. really good at their jobs and let them Key go. Secret. <laughs> Key <laughs> secret of leadership
0: success is hire really smart people. Yeah. So uh, give me then just a brief cap. Thank you for giving us street credit. That's really helpful because a lot of times when people don't know who you are and they don't know your history, they go, well, what do you got to say to me? and And I think what you've just proven is that you have something to say and you're in this business. So tell me, just give me a snapshot of the business you're in and what you do every day.
1: Yeah. So I'm in the uh, talent acquisition business. We provide software and service solutions to a wide variety of companies. Definitely a lot of frontline companies. We actually purchased a company called Integrity First last year, who Iron Mountain was one of the bigger clients there and many other companies that have frontline workers. It's only for frontline workers, right? Mm. And I and I knew of it because of Autoclure. When I was at Autoclure, we used it and. The guy retired and is ready to unload the company. And I love the product. Anyway, so we bought it. So we now, that kind of really catapulted our business to focus heavily a lot into the frontline worker type. So healthcare, drivers, logistics, warehouse, light industrial, construction, manufacturing. Those are all kind of the the areas that we kind of fell into when acquiring that company and that product. So talent acquisition, find great people, figure out who's going to be good and manage them on the back end. So we provide the software platforms to do that. And for smaller companies, we have value added partners who will do it for them. Interesting.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you.
1: So let's let's actually
0: talk about what your perspective is and what you've learned and what you're seeing. So what do you what do you see as the most significant challenges that businesses are facing right now when it comes to hiring frontline entry level labor? Um, my own anecdotal data clearly indicates that that most of the people I talk to as a coach are struggling with this specific type of employee more than any other. There seems to be a glut of white collar mid supervisor kind of people in the world right now, but labor employees, my
1: gosh, it's difficult. So what's going on? What's your perspective? It's a huge macroeconomic thing here. So where do we begin in this story? You Look, it's been a downward spiral, although there is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. There's a bit of a renaissance in blue collar yep. workers uh, in terms of the way the community and, the, and politicians and, and our government and just all and businesses are talking about it. But everything look, I, I used to speak at churn conferences leading up to COVID, and the income inequality gap, unfortunately, is just way too big. And politics aside, it's just a right? So yep. people on the yep. lowest end of the tier, of these frontline workers, their wages had been grossly suppressed for 10 years since the Great Recession, essentially, right? And they really right. saw very little movement in the wages there. While cost of living has just gone through the roof, right? And I don't right. care where you're at in Lincoln, Nebraska or Southern California. And so there's just a pure economic problem there that these people cannot afford to lift. Now, COVID was... Sort of an inflection point, right? The the government came in and gave literally everybody money, including everybody who's listening to this. If you didn't get your money, then sorry, like you just got your head in the sand here, right? So, but gave everybody else a bunch of money and also gave everybody sort of a break, right? Like all these frontline workers realized, hey, there's a better way to live my life and I don't need to be struggling to pay my bills. And- that is softening here currently, and we are seeing it, but it's really forcing employers to start saying, hey, how am I affecting the quality of life for the people that are in these jobs? And how do I turn what is not a glamorous job, professional dishwasher, professional paper shredder, truck driver, warehouse worker, into Something that means more than just a job, right? Yes, um, yes. And so there's going to be a transformation there. Wages have to go up. And I know a lot of the people in these worlds, they're just super resistant to it. And, and this is the first thing on my, on my list here is mindset shift, right? We've got to change our mindset. You are not in the document management. You are not in the shredding business. I was not in the dishwashing business. What business do you think I'm in? or wasn't
0: well i i mean on the uh one side you're in the management of people business and the other you're in the marketing business no i'm in the people business
1: guys yeah you are in the people business the people your truck drivers your delivery drivers your sales people your warehouse people you're in the people business you're delivering a service you're solving a problem for other human beings the human beings in your business are solving that problem right so it's, it's a mindset shift is number one. Honocloor went to a people first mindset that that was a mantra. It's like, so we are in the people first business, right? Mm. Not in the clean dishes business, right? Right. So I think it's a mindset shift. Once you get to there, you start to realize, look, these are human beings. These are people. And they're coming to work to pay their bills and take care of their families. That's probably right. one of their key motivators, but they're looking for quality of life and they want to improve yeah. in a quality of life. We spend 40 or 50 hours a week at work. How do we make that a pleasant experience? And then how do I make that pay the bills and take care of my family and do the things I need there as well? And you solve that problem. I mean, you know, Autoclore's a great poster child for this. I mean, they have service tax, and people have been working for them. They had guys making soap. The worst job I'd ever, I would never do. I I did that job but I would not, I could not see myself doing that job every single day. Guys doing that literally retired from doing that job.
0: Right. Wow. So we've got to shift our mindsets. But then, what are the I don't know maybe the biggest insights or the biggest lessons once we shift that mindset or within that mindset shift that we in this industry need to really understand to more effectively hire those entry-level, frontline, labor and admin staff? And like, give me give me two or three of the biggest things that you think we should be thinking about.
1: Well, I think from a pure personal economic standpoint, every day that truck doesn't go out and you're not delivering services or you're unable to take on more customers because you're short staff, that's worth a certain amount of money. You know, probably similar to Autochlor, a route driver for us generated like, $60,000 a month in revenue, right? And when we started churning those over, we would see their routes revenue go down, you know, 5,000 mm. a month, 10,000 a month. That's $100,000 a year, $150,000 a year. So there's a pure economic piece. They're solving this problem is a really important thing. So if I have to pay a little bit more in order to make this a job that somebody can live, have a quality of life for, if I can just have better, nicer managers who actually care about these people as human beings, And if I can work to develop them personally and professionally, again, all the reasons why they're going to want to stay in this job. Now, all those reasons become the reasons why people want to come to work for you. The number one trick in frontline hiring is having a strong employee referral program. It's totally, it's virtually free. I mean, sure. Have some incentive, buy some pizza parties, give people freaking $5,000 bonuses. I don't care. It doesn't matter what the number is. Don't be cheap. Just recognize people, but if you build that culture to be a place to want to work, now that becomes your marketing tool, and then it becomes organic marketing. These guys who are all in barbecues on Sundays and they're all talking to their friends, saying, "Where do you work?" Well, I work at you know XYZ yep. shredding, and they're like, "Well, what do you think?" I'm looking for a new job, and they're say, "This is an awesome job, or this is a terrible job." Right, right. And if you right. can again mindset shift, then it moves to. You know, this becomes now a culture, then the referrals start coming. And these 87% of people that get hired through an employee referral uh, are rated an A or B by their managers and stay like 50% longer on the job.
0: So let's go back to the because you're talking the economic piece of this. And I think one of the challenges, especially smaller businesses, as as you get larger, I think you get a better insight into this. But I think sometimes smaller owner-operated companies really struggle in their brains to take somebody who they used to pay $17.50 an hour and move them to 25 dollars 27 dollars dollars an hour. And there's this massive disconnect there because what, what they miss a lot of times is, is that $60,000 revenue per month, that, that stable. And then it's easy to forget that that person quitting costs me another $10,000, $15,000 to
1: replace them more. Burnout too, right? Now you're paying overtime to your people. You're burning them out, you're crushing their quality of life when you're making them work with too much overtime. And usually, an auto we had baked it. They were working 45, to 50 hours a week. Our goal was to get them sub 45 hours a week and making the same amount of money. But you think about that, right? Again, you're a 28 year old guy and you've got two kids at home and you're working 55, 60 hours a week. You, you love the overtime money. Like, that's great. Right. Yeah. But your family hates. Right, you know, right, right, so but there's burnout too, like he's just he's a human being, I just can't do that for yeah. that long, right, so now you lose good people, and now you go back into the cycle, so it's a vicious cycle that yeah. you end up in, so you gotta nip it at the butt,, and I'm not here to tell you guys raise your pay like a bunch of money, but you know there's that is one simple solution. you do that, you will almost solve your entire problem,
0: right. So related, you said, make your employees part of your marketing machine. And and it seems to me that you need more than employees are a great piece of that puzzle of the marketing puzzle, but you need more than that. Like what else, how else do we market our companies, especially when you've got Amazon and UPS and all these big companies who are, you know, somehow miraculously get in the news about offering a hundred thousand dollars salaries to their drivers and all of a sudden, you're, you're competing with this, you know, the corporate world, the big corporate entities. How do you how do you play in that world from a marketing perspective?
1: Again, that's why you need the employer for all the culture. But that's a that might be a mindset shift that takes a long time, right? OK, look, you need to reposition your opportunities because I bet you most of your drivers are working 50 hours a week. Don't post your job at $18 an hour. You're shooting yourself in the foot. This guy's not making $18 now. He's making $70,000, $80,000 a year after overtime, stiffs, bonuses, things like that. So we, here's a perfect example. So I got Baton Rouge, Louisiana, It's a concrete company. They got 100 employees. And in January, 10 applicants. February, 10 applicants. March, 20 applicants. April, 30. 30 oh, excuse me, 300 applicants and five hires. I mean, no hires in Q1. And they had 300 applicants made five hires immediately when they began to shift how they did this. So, And they made 30 hires over the sum, subsequent. So, so what they, was the shift? The shift was, so first off, they employed like Paylocity or some big, stupid payroll. They, a lot of people are using ADP, their payroll system. They're using the applicant tracking system. They throw this garbage, giant enterprise software system out the freaking window. You need lean, nimble recruiting tools. There's lots of them out there. Obviously, I don't want to promote mine, but just go find a better freaking tool, first of all. But so you post your jobs, you make them more marketable, you get the pay right. So we, we tweet the pay. We went from, instead of saying it's like whatever it was, 18 bucks an hour, and we looked at it. And what are these guys really making? They were making about 75 to 85,000 a year. So we start positioning the pay that way. Instead of writing these boring ads, they're like three or four liners, right? Like we got, we threw those out and we started to make a value proposition. Like, well, what do the people who've been here for 20 years say about the company? Here's why they like working in this company. And then here's the job. The job's not that complicated. You drive the concrete from here to there. Like, we yeah. don't need to go into a lot of details about the requirements here. Yeah, they need class A, B driver's license. That's like right. and a good attitude. Like that's the only yep. requirement. So we throw that on there. So we have better marketing message. And then we weren't cheap about advertising. So we leveraged indeed and ZipRecruiter. And Craigslist is a great place to still troll for 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 candidates. And we pushed it out and we marketed the jobs everywhere. Now the other thing you can do if you get really technical here, really tricky here, is you can use geotargeting and Facebook, and Facebook is great. For marketing, particularly to drivers, frontline workers, warehouses, you just geofence freaking Amazon, and then you start throwing ads, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok to these folks, and you start. But you gotta have a message, right? You gotta have a value proposition that's different than Amazon's, right? Right. Don't pay, but it's definitely hopefully culture and environment and team building. There's plenty of people who complain about working at Amazon too, right? Like oh yes, yeah. slave it's huge. drivers. Right? Yes. Yes. Well we'll at least call them that for the argument's sake. So, you know, you start to have a more of a marketing can't be cheap. It's not really all that expensive. You're gonna spend five hundred or a thousand bucks on marketing a job when you start throwing some dollars behind it. So just don't be cheap about that. Use the right channels that I've mentioned here, and then evolve your system to get to those advanced techniques like geofencing your competitors, right? Or your other people who have your population of folks and throw them at. Here, the last thing we did is we moved really fast. When somebody applied, instantly reached out to them via text message and phone. Text message is key. Think about it this way. You're a truck driver. You apply to my job. And I, maybe it's at night, like 7 p.m. I show up tomorrow morning and I get get your application. It's like 9.45 in the morning. Email you back. Getting my email. 100%
0: 100% no, because I'm in my I, I'm driving, driving your, or whatever I'm doing. Yeah.
1: Right. And I'm not an email guy to begin with. Like, right. I don't use my email. I'm on right. social media and text message. Those yes. are the places where I hang out. Like, my wife is a teacher. It's all spam and, and right. like shopping. That's all she does. She spends all night, like at the end of her night, like she's not answering right. emails in the middle of the day, but text messaging and social media, she's all over that all day long, even when she's running around chasing two kids. So yeah. if you want a fast response for somebody, text them and then make it easy from the schedule. So this is what we did with, with the concrete company. We we text them. We asked them to complete the entire first test, like a seven-minute test. We disqualified 23% of the people, but we had so many people that we needed to get rid of the duds. These guys had three fraudulent work point claims too in the six months prior, which was really n- nasty. So probably your guys in captives, like you don't want to be doing that right. So we disqualified all these people that were drug users, liars, cheaters, stealers, right off the bat. And then we just, then we sent them a text and said, Hey, on Monday, we got time for you to come on in and do an interview with the hiring manager. And we sent them a link and they self-scheduled themselves and it then followed up with them like three times, right? a Week before, a day before, an hour before and remind them, Hey, here's the address. Here's what we're going to do. Here's a link to our website. Here's a link to a video about people who worked here. So we're nurturing them through this process mm. without ever human in there. And we did that via text. They just self-selected. They picked a time on Monday, and we just staffed the interviews. And, of course, half of them didn't show up, which is fine. Again, we played the marketing volume game. We had enough people in our funnel, enough people to show up. You know, not everybody showed up. We, had, we hired. a Smaller portion got hired. Then they hired five people in one day, and were are on to the races. Mm, powerful. Because that that seems to be the
0: challenge is is the drip effect is just there's little drips like like they do an Indeed ad that's boring to begin with yeah that doesn't actually value prop somebody submits and they're just a lot of times just hitting the button anyways yeah. right and then At the top a
1: funnel lead now but now you yep. got to keep them engaged
0: right right and we we understand that intuitively about marketing to get clients but what you're saying is. Part of the major mindset shift is
1: actually to think like a marketer with with the hiring process, sales and marketing combo yes. too. There's a one two punch, right? But it starts with a really great marketing message, value proposition, and then tactics. And the tactics in hiring are not complicated. Post on ND, post on ZipRecruiter, Facebook, and experiment with Craigslist depending on what market you're in. That's it. Or the if you really want to get advanced, get into geo-targeting and some more advanced social targeting stuff, that's it. Those are your channels and then employee right. referrals. And and be willing
0: to spend up to $1,000, you said, to get people coming in the front door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Huge difference, right?
1: From zero hires in three months to
0: five in three weeks. All right. So you kind of downloaded a little bit of a process map there. So. Can you amplify that just a little bit in terms of the stages of a process that are really helpful that just sort of simplifies it? So you you kind of threw it into stories there, but I sense yeah. that you have this step one, step two, step three yeah. that gets you from I have a position that's open to I've got somebody in place. If, I, I, I realize you can't go into it in depth, but can you give me a, a like an yeah. overview?
1: Well, we call it a fact-driven hiring system. And for, for many reasons, we want to hire based on facts, not guts and feelings and intuitions and all that stuff. But, and, and then you follow a process, like you do any in any other part of your business. So, and this other thing that blows my mind, right? We have systems and processes for everything else we do in business, except for hiring, right? Like, what are we doing here? Okay, but start with the foundational stuff. That's your message, your value proposition, identifying your ideal target customer. Client, in this case, yep. candidate, right? Yep. And then how are you going to evaluate those people, your candidate scorecard? Like, what are the three or four or five things that you're looking for in that person, right? That are your deal breakers or your nice to have, your must have type of thing. Okay. So that's all your foundational work. Now, in your guys' world, you do that once or twice. You've only got like five different jobs or something, right? That you're hiring right. for. So it's kind of done. Now, that sets you up for success down the road. Then we go into attracting candidates, right? So that we talked about some tactics there. So again, we we get our value prop, we've already prepared our value proposition, our message. Maybe we created some marketing videos, we've interviewed some people. We, you know, now we're going to use the tactics, pay on sponsored Indeed, LinkedIn, excuse me, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Craigslist, and consider some advanced techniques that we need to, prop up our employee referral program, make that part of our culture, So that's our marketing tactics there that are going to get us from zero to the 90, 90 yard or 10 yard line. Right. Like we're like, unless you're in the worst of worst situation, then pull out some other weird strategies. Right. Okay. So now we market, then we receive our leads, our candidates, and we move fast. We treat them like a sales call. Right. And I got a coach that I, I work with. He's like, you've got to call these back people back within five minutes. Well, it's interesting and it's such a powerful, I'm glad
0: you said that because in the shredding world specifically, what most companies know that by the time a lead hits, if you don't call them within five to 10 minutes, they might have already signed a deal with somebody else. Like that's how rapid it is. So we understand that intuitively at a, at a client level or prospective customer level, but you're saying don't miss this on your candidate employee level. Got it. Okay. So
1: fast then candidate evaluation. And so you got to have some tools because most people are terrible at interviewing and assessing other human beings. Like 50% of marriages end in divorce. We can't even assess our future mates very well. Right. You know, like, (laughs) so, you know, assessments are great. Right. And again, and a lot of times frontline workers are like an integrity assessment or like a cognitive ability assessment, maybe some sort of skill assessment. Those are typically a big five. We did this with the big um, car wash service company. We did custom validation there with using big five, but the, you know, a couple of things are just going to help you weed out the worst of the worst, really. I mean, that's probably what assessments are going to help you do in this world. The most is just get rid of the really terrible people. Right. And then we need, we should spend some time learning to be better at interviewing. And so we want to start to practice some best interview techniques, I've been inspired by top grade Lou Adler. Mark Murphy, my father, and I took all of that when I got this business. And because I was thirty-one when I took it over, and I felt a little imposter syndrome, even though I had some professional success as a leader, I still like, who the hell's going to listen to me? I, what does this young guy know about you know talent acquisition and hiring? I made it a point to practices ten thousand times. I interviewed over now i have interviewed over fifteen thousand job candidates because I'm a Malcolm Blackwell guy, and I wanted to be the best at what I do. In order to do that, I had to have a system. I had to have a script, a repeatable interview process that I could do off the cuff. And I wasn't just weed every single time. And you don't need to do it 10,000 times. To get, right. Like five or right. six, you probably get pretty good at it. it. Most of your clients and the people listening, you guys are pretty smart people. You have yep. pretty high levels of emotional intelligence. You're going to figure this out real fast. And you just practice it a little bit is what my yep. suggestion is. And so. I don't know in the show notes, we can share the power interview guide and uh, and reference checking. So if you don't do any of my follow, any of my other advice, speak to your candidates, previous direct supervisors unwaveringly before you hire.
0: Oh, that 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 just strikes a major nerve with. I know a lot of people because there's this big, big fear that nobody's going to tell them anything because this, this can I
1: can I swear? Yes, this bullshit. No. If you are great at your job, you're a decent human being, right? And you like, you worked for somebody and you did a good job and you tried hard and you showed up and you were reliable, that person is going to like you. And if they don't, that's a rare, that's a rare anomaly. Like that guy had to be a real dick, right? No, you I've got three or four past bosses and I go, Hey, Tom, you work for Joe. At xyz company he was your service manager or gm whatever right oh okay great you know, could i could you call him and ask him to talk to me for five minutes about the time you two spent working together it's a yes or no question this takes practice this question takes practice for sure mm. I can share up a book with mr t's in the book it's really he's really cool but it can share you a short book easy to read and it's worth practicing but it's a yes or no question so I'm looking for a strong yes. And if I have to, I'll coach the candidate to a yes or a no. Like, well, he doesn't work there anymore. I don't. That wasn't my question. My question was, I ask, I'm going to ask you to call him and ask him to spend five minutes with me on the phone. Will he agree to do that? Yes or no? That's the first thing you need to know. And then you start to ask things about, well, what should I expect him to say about you? And how would he rate your performance and compare you to others? And that opens a whole other can of worms we don't have time for read the book, Mr. T's in it, but that's the key, right? So if I go down that and your last four jobs and you him and haw and duck and dodge, and you say HR has a policy against it and he doesn't work there anymore and this or that excuse after excuse after excuse, then basically what that person is saying is I didn't leave any friends behind. Right. Right. I don't want to hire somebody who doesn't, has a track record of not leaving any friends behind because it usually means what our mother taught us. Yeah you have nothing nice to say, you don't say anything at all, right? right. That's the reason why people don't give references, guys. But so, I
0: think what, what you're saying, though, is we've become accustomed, especially in frontline labor, we've become accustomed to that. So we don't even do it. We do it all on gut instinct. And frankly, we suck at gut instinct.
1: And this is a fact. If I call your old boss, he's either going to talk to me. So look, if he's not going to talk to me and I know everything I need to know, he didn't right. like it enough right. to take five minutes out of his day to say something nice and nudge. Right. So I want to track record of that and look, okay, maybe one of them will, not but I get three others. Okay. I'm bad three for four. I'm probably on the right track, but if I'm going only one out of four will say something nice, you're either terrible at choosing your mates, your jobs, or you're the problem.
0: Yeah. You've le- you've left a little bit of a trail behind you that nobody wants to talk about.
1: Yeah. So workers, that's the first interview question I ask anybody, anybody, any level within the first five to ten minutes of the conversation, because it tells me almost everything I ever need to know.
0: Oh, oh, that that's worth the price of admission right there, Fletcher. That's good. That is good, because this this world, it feels like everybody's uh, gun shy about doing reference checks. It's just a weird, uh, weird
1: world. And I you're saying no, do it. to change that to- if yes, you guys, anybody sees it. any of my content anywhere else in the world, I'm talking about reference checks.
0: Yes, love it, love it, love it, love it. That's so good that that I am going to uh,
1: I'm going to parrot you
0: now because that's please, so good.
1: Please, yeah, I, I, that's I, great. I'm vandalizing this, and I hope other people do too. <laughs> All right, so I and and
0: maybe this is a little bit. Uh, this might be out of and I don't think it is, but it's it's related. How do you get people to you do the interview, you find the right person, and you offer them the job. How do you get them to show up on the first yes. day? Because that's another thing that's happening in this world for some reason is people get the job offer, they seem
1: to have the chops, and then they don't show up. Like, yeah. what's is there another piece of this process? So it's interwoven in the entire process. Factor Foundation attract candidates, you know, or attract talent, candidate evaluation and training and onboarding. F A C T. So. Now you transition. You're in the transitionary period. So, a, if you've done a good job of indoctrinating people and sharing your message, your vision, and building a relationship with this person, and not just being a dick and like grilling them to death and just being insensitive, like treating them like a third world person because they should be honored to come work for you, right? Like, right. like don't. If you've done that, then yeah, nobody's going to want to work for you. And have that's going to happen all day. But if you've treated them respectfully throughout the process and you've really done a lot to engage them, that's step one, right? So you got, that's something that's just happening from the moment they see your ad to the moment they get the offer. Now, once they get the offer, the biggest mistake I see people say, the guy says, Oh, I gotta put in my two-week notice and be here in two weeks. And we say, oh, great. And they send me the offer letter, and you sign it, you know, whole nine yards, and nobody nobody talks to the person for two weeks. How mm-hmm. would you feel if you just got a job and you know, everybody, you know, you sign the offer letter and then just crickets. And mm. I get it, you're busy and you've got a million other things that you think you filled the job and you think that John's gonna be here in you know two weeks, but no, nah, don't 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 be that person, right? Like make it a point to touch base, bring him out to lunch, have him come out. Maybe you guys are having a team event, right? He's not even on the team yet. Bring him to the Angels game with you, right? Whatever it is that you do with your team to keep them engaged, again, that's gotta be part of your culture to begin with, but you bring them, invite them along, right? Or at least just call them, check in. Hey, how's it going? Check in with them after they put in their notes, right? Mm. <laughs> if they're unemployed, then get them started right away. Be ready to move, like get them their uniform their drug testing. you know, like, I mean, obviously yep. you can do all these things, drug testing, bacteria, you gotta do those things, but you get all that done quickly and efficiently. And that nurture them along and, like, call them up, like, what's your size? And, like, you know, make sure to talk to them, not just send them emails and text messages, right? You know, have touch points with these people. But when they put in their notice, it's really important. Ask them, like, well, what you? well this is great. When they're currently working, you say, well, what are you going to do? Like, if I give you an offer and you shop, what's going to happen? And you can be like, well, I don't know. I'm going to go talk to Joe and I'm going to tell him I found another job. And, I'm... well, that's a conversation you want to have. Okay, well, what is Joe going to say? Oh, well, he's going to be so upset and like disappointed and mad. He might throw something. I don't know. Like that's a good thing, by the way. I hope Joe gets right. mad and throws something. Right. He's so mad that you're leaving. But you know, is there anything he can do to like keep you? Like, what if he offers you more money? Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, money's good. Well, so it gets you helps you preempt that offensive attack that, that his his or her current employer is going to is going to have. So then I can make a decision like, well, am I ready to go up or ready to offer more? Am I offering enough to make it so that the other guy can't compete with me? And, and also help me understand the motivation. Like, is this guy doing it just for the money or is because is where he's at really not the best place for him, right? Am I offering this person a true step-up opportunity? So I think those are, a, those are a couple of things that you do, right? It's, it's continue to nurture the relationship. You know, be proactive about being really involved in their transition period. So that's why you make the offer. You're going to put in your notice tomorrow. Like I'm calling you tomorrow afternoon. Here i went. Yeah. So good. Like that, that's, that's
0: powerful because that, that I feel like is one of those things that we forget to do. It's, we, we wouldn't forget that with a, a prospect in the, you know, girl that you were
1: dating, like, right. I mean, I'm going to be out of town for two weeks, but you know, let's schedule a date, you know, like. You're telling me you're not going to text or call her, send her a picture or video or something, you know? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. No, that, that's, that's fabulous. So I realized, I mean, you, it sounds like you and I could go on for hours and hours on this, but let's assume that somebody listening to this runs a, you know, let's, let's say it's, you know, it's a 20 person shop or a 10 10- to 15 person shop, and they're really struggling right now. They're struggling with drivers specifically or that, that front level labor. What's the best piece of advice? I mean, because you've given a lot, but what's the first step they can take? Like, what's the very first thing that they can think about?
1: I think it's, it's got to be the mindset piece. If you think to yourself, you self-reflect and you say, "Look, this is a great place to work. I've got guys and gals been working with me, you know, 12 out of the 20 people have been working with me forever. We're like a family, like truly, like you guys go into the barbecues and baseball games and when you work with people that long you become friends you know at some level right so uh, let's assume that you've got at least that base there that's really positive if you don't then mindset shift and got some work to do and just start fixing but let's say you've got that because i would assume in most of these companies that is usually the case you've got this yep. nucleus of people been around so then i want to start extracting stories right from those people so that mm. if, I, if i don't really know my value proposition, you're struggling to really nail it then I want to start to you know, like talking to them, having a conversation, like, Tom, like, why am you stuck around for 10 years, man? Right. Oops. Right. But, uh, what the heck's
0: your problem?
1: <laughs> yeah. What's the heck's your problem? <laughs> like, why didn't you put up with me, man? But no, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, and we have a little script and we do this for clients. We'll create like these recruitment marketing videos for them. And we'll ask questions like, well, you know, how has this career or this job, you know, helped you achieve personal and professional goals, right? That's a great way to up. What mm. impact do you make in your clients' lives every day? Or share a story about what you're doing, what you do every day and makes an impact on other people, right? Or share a story about your favorite, you know, experience working here. So get them to tell stories and about their experience, about how this has affected them. I mean, I know at AutoClore, you know, we hired these young guys, you know, and mostly men, right, who do these jobs, but young know, in the office for sure, that they're like 22. Usually a lot of them have kids, you know, they're having a family, they're, you know, didn't go to college, whatever it is, but they're good, solid human beings. Like they care, they're really kind, they're well-intentioned, right? And so they could come in and they could in several years really be making a a good, solid living. And the best thing was to be able to watch them buy their first home. Right. You know, Mm. and to be able to send their kids to a private school or private school, not always that, but to like, you know, Montessori or something, you know, they, to watch their kids grow up and their families grow and to be supportive of of those things. So those are the stories. That's how Autochlor made a difference in their life personally. Right. And professionally, they got to grow and be challenged and take on new opportunities and do different things and learn different skills. Right. We're all human beings here, I don't really know human beings that like to be stagnant. Like we all are seeking growth in our lives, both personally or professionally or both given time. So if I can tell stories around the personal impact that this job has made on me and then the professional, then that's the story we want to tell.
0: So just quickly on that one, because I, I see a lot of uh, companies put like on their website, they just put a jobs page and all they do is list the jobs, but they don't actually tell the story. There's no story.
1: You could extract it. And I like to do it via video. Um, we send people a link. They click the link. They answer the questions. We transform it into video. I don't care. You just get your stupid iPhone out and right. just point it at the person and then just use the editing features. On there or not they're all there or not like yeah make it real is fine too man like yeah. it doesn't you don't yeah. have to over engineer this right. thing like right. that actually less engineering of that might even be better because it's real right yes
0: perfect well man this is fabulous so um one of the things i asked you was to give me something to <laughs> give our audience so You graciously gave us, and I read it beforehand, before we've, we talked, I read your book on reference checking and Frick, like you explained it here, but that book is so good. And you've basically given it up to us to download.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Download it. If I just did, you just did one thing to be better at evaluating people. Just do that. Learn that one skill. And then I think I gave you like a hiring effectiveness self-audit. It's like a five, 10 minute, like self-audit, which, you know, I find it just like you'll have light bulb moments just answering the questions that gets transformed into a full set of opportunities, things that you're doing well and taking opportunities where you have room to improve and you know, you get that whole report back. And if you want, you can have a consultation with with us and you know, we can dig into it deeper and you can tell me all the reasons why you can't do it. And I'll tell you all the reasons why you can do it. I just saw wrote this on, on LinkedIn today, but hiring is a solvable problem. Yes. If you want to solve. It.
0: Yes. 100% I am uh, I'm a yeah huge believer in that what you just said there cuz I what I do know is there's a whole bunch of people who struggle and then you find people who don't right I'm, I'm and you go well, what's different here there's something different these people see something other people don't and uh what I I feel really cool about today is you've actually told us how to think differently about it and how to change our opinion and market and and actually have a system and a process that works so Fletcher, this has been delightful. Any last words to our listeners today?
1: Well, look, you can find I'm the easiest I'm the easiest person on earth to find. My name's Fletcher Wimbush. Look me up yeah. on LinkedIn or Facebook. I, I troll around on those two places the most. You know, reach out to me. I'm always we're always here. We we'll talk to people for free and we're always happy to share. And we've got loads and loads of content on on YouTube and LinkedIn, particularly on our website. So look, take advantage of it. And again change your that this is a priority in my life take advantage of it and feel free to talk to us and pick my brain and look if one of our many 50 plus tools is something that's helpful for you yes we'd love you to be a client but we just want to see you way down there, right?
0: fabulous Fletcher this has been a blast it's been incredibly helpful thank you for all your insights and really appreciate you being on the show awesome thanks Tom Thanks again for listening to the Shred Coach Podcast with Tom Adams. Make sure to visit tomadams.com for executive coaching, advisory board services, podcasting, training, and more. And subscribe to our email list so you can have first access to brand new strategies,
1: tips, and ideas from trusted shredding and business professionals.